Last week, we, I told you we would be for a few weeks in the Gospel of Matthew, and we looked at the temptation of Jesus, and we looked at how, what we can learn from how Jesus responded to Satan, how we ought to respond to the devil's attacks, his constant attacks against us every week. And from there, pretty soon after that, we get into the Sermon on the Mount. That famous sermon that takes up chapters 5, 6, and 7 of the Gospel of Matthew. And I'm just looking at the headlines here beginning at about Matthew chapter 8. At the first, in the first section, Jesus cleanses a man with leprosy. He raises the daughter of a centurion. He heals several people, including Peter's mother-in-law. He is preaching and teaching. He calms a storm. He heals two men with demons. He heals a man who's paralyzed. He calls his disciple Matthew from from, uh, the tax booth, says to him, follow me. More teaching, this time about fasting. He brings a girl back to life. He heals a woman with a hemorrhage. He brings sight to two men who are blind. He gives voice to a man who is mute. And then in verse 35 of chapter 9, we see a summary of all this activity in the ministry of Jesus. The Gospel writer says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. Jesus has been a busy guy. He's teaching. He's preaching. He's proclaiming the gospel. He's healing. He's performing miracles. And then in verse 36 we read, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Now Jesus has done some remarkable things. And we have recapped several of those things, but to me this is among the most remarkable. Why? Because compassion is hard It's difficult to extend compassion. Would you agree? Tell me that I'm not the only one who thinks that compassion is hard. After all of this, after all the crowds and all the activity, Jesus is still able to muster up compassion for these crowds that are thronging about Him with all sorts of needs. He's compassionate towards them. It's remarkable to me because compassion is not easy. He had compassion, we read in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. What does that mean? Well, the verb here, he had compassion, it comes from a noun root that literally means someone's insides, their organs, their bowels. But it meant more than that in the ancient world. It, it meant someone's, what we would say, their heart. It referred to their emotional core, the seat of their emotions, the source of love. And so when the Bible says that Jesus had compassion, I heard someone once say that means Jesus had tender innards. And it was a character trait that he inherited from his father. God the Son was compassionate, just as God the Father is compassionate. A couple examples we could consider today. How about from the Old Testament prophets? Uh, One from the book of Joel, which you read this last week. 
Joel chapter 2. God is warning the people that the day of the Lord is coming, that if they have been unfaithful to God, it doesn't matter if they're in the household of Israel, they will have to answer for their rebelliousness. He says, you will not escape the judgment that is coming on the day of the Lord. In fact, in verse 11, the prophet says, the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? But then look in verse 12. Yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with, re- with weeping, with mourning. Repent. Turn back to me. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, that refrain that we hear throughout the Old Testament. And He relents over disaster. Yes, He is angry with the people because of their sin. Yes, He is disgusted because of their rebellion. But His compassion is even greater. And He says, if you would just turn back to Me, if you would just repent, then I will relent from this disaster because I, the Lord, am gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. In the book of Hosea, we get similar language about the uh, judgment about the wrath of God. If I can find Hosea here, some of these Old Testament minor prophets are a little tricky. Where did it go? Well, maybe I'm giving you a little bit of time to find it as well. Hosea chapter 11 verse 8. God has just been talking about how His people seem bent on turning away from Him. They seem to have... They seem to want to have nothing to do with them. And yet, he says in verse 8, how can I give up on them? He says, my heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. My heart reaches out to my people. My compassion, my insides grow warm and tender. As God the Father is compassionate, so is God the Son. Yes, God is frustrated and disgusted by our sinful rebellion, but He's also full of compassion. And compassion characterized Jesus' ministry. We see other examples of the compassion of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. In fact, the same verb that we see in our text in Matthew chapter 9 appears in Matthew chapter 14, around verse 14. Now I want to put this into context a little bit. Jesus has just received word that his friend, that his relative, John the Baptist, the one whose ministry prepared the way for the arrival of Jesus, has died. And he hasn't just died, he's been murdered. He's been murdered by the king of Judea, Herod. And in verse 12, we see that John's disciples take his body away and bury it, and then they come and they tell Jesus. Now, verse 13, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. This news stuns and devastates Jesus to the point that he says, I need to withdraw, I need to take some time away from my public ministry To be in solitude, to be by myself, to be with my Father. So Jesus goes, but the crowds, they catch wind of it, and they follow Him on foot from the towns. Now what would you do if you were Jesus? If you have received this devastating news that 
a friend, a relative, someone who is very dear to you, someone whose ministry is very important to, to yours, if you're Jesus here, if you're in her, His shoes, what do you do about these crowds who will not let you take a break? They prevent Jesus from going off by Himself to be with His Father. They follow the boat around and, and they sort of ambush Him. He goes ashore. And I'm, t- I'm going to tell you, if I'm Jesus, I'm going to say, listen, I'm not abandoning my ministry. I'll be back in a few days, but I really need a break. This is not a good time for me. I need some alone time to to process this news, to heal, to tend to my soul. What happens here? What is Jesus' response to the, the relentless crowds? The text says, when He went ashore, He saw a great crowd, and He had compassion on them And He began to heal them. Again in chapter 15, verse 32, Jesus called His disciples to Him. Again, He's teaching. He's healing. And He says to them, I have compassion on this great crowd because they have been with Me now three days and they've got nothing to eat. I have compassion on them. They've been with Me. I know that we are worn out and weary from serving their needs, but they need something to eat. What's remarkable to me about Jesus is that it seems the more time he spent with people, the more compassionate he became. And that ain't me. That, what I just said, would not describe me. It seems that in my case, the more time I spend with people, sometimes the less compassionate I become and the more I need to withdraw. But Jesus, the more time he spent with people, the greater his heart warmed to them, the, the greater, the, the more compassion he extended to them. Why? The answer is in our text in chapter 9 of the Gospel of Matthew, the, the second part of verse 36. He had compassion for them because, Matthew says, they were harassed, they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, Matthew says. They were aimless, they were wandering. Because they had been failed by those tasked with leading them. Specifically, Jesus is talking about the Jewish religious leaders. Yes, they were sinful, and speaking of the people here, they were rebellious. But greater than frustration and greater than anger at their sin, Jesus, the primary emotion, the feeling that He has towards them is compassion. He feels sympathy for them. Because they've been led astray. Because they're wandering around aimless. Because they need leadership. Because they need direction. Because they're lost. Jesus feels compassion. He feels not just for them, but with them. Do you consider yourself to be a compassionate person? I'm afraid that I'm not a very compassionate person. In fact, My wife, on occasion, tells me, Joseph, you are really not all that sympathetic and compassionate. Don't we just love how our spouses encourage us and build us up and edify us? She says, you're just not a naturally sympathetic person. And I will admit that I'm not. A lot of times when one of the girls falls and gets hurt, my first reaction is not, oh, come here, let me tend to your your wounds and, you know, come 
cry on my shoulder. It's, well, what were you doing that made you get hurt? Don't do stupid stuff and that won't happen. Man, I, I mean, that's terrible, isn't it? I hope I'm not the only one who has thought that or, or said that. When my first reaction should be compassion, it is instead, well, don't act like an idiot and that won't happen. I know someone who tells his young boys, if you're going to be dumb, you got to also be tough. Now, I haven't resorted to that. I don't tell my children that. That's not very compassionate either. I don't think I'm naturally a compassionate person. You know, it takes time and energy to be compassionate. It really does. And I have a shortage of both. And so do you. We have scheduled out all of our margin. And so we don't have anything left for our neighbors. We don't have any compassion. We don't have this reservoir of compassion as Jesus did for our neighbors because we, our calendars are so packed full uh, that you know, we just don't have anything left in the tank when it comes to extending love and compassion. Our reservoirs are dried up. It also takes a lot of courage to be compassionate. And yet I am often timid and fearful. We're taught to be fearful. To be fearful of the foreigner, the immigrant, the outsider, the, anyone who's different from us. Anyone who has a different skin color, who grew up in a different part of the country or the world, who has a different background, we are taught to be fearful. But compassion overcomes those barriers. Compassion overcomes fear. Compassion is hard. And especially when I line myself up against Jesus, I fall woefully short of His standard when it comes to extending compassion. There's really just no comparison. In chapter 9 of the Gospel of Matthew, verse 37, we see a shift in imagery, but not in theme. Listen to Jesus. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus is saying to us in these verses, listen, the pastures are full of lost sheep. The fields are teeming with ripened grain. In other words, the world is full of people who both need and want to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and the salvation that can come through Him. But the problem is this. There aren't enough workers. There aren't enough willing laborers because not enough of us have Jesus' capacity for compassion. Not enough of us have the capacity for compassion that Jesus had when He was on the earth during His ministry. It was compassion that compelled Jesus into the fields, into the pastures, and it's what ought to compel us today as well. Yes, I know a sense of duty and responsibility and a commitment to fulfilling the will of God. I know that those things also compelled Jesus to go into the world and to preach the good news, but I believe it was primarily compassion that He felt deeply for and with people. That when he saw people, he didn't see problems or projects like I do, like we do. He saw lost sheep. And he saw a, a great harvest. He saw people who wanted to hear about what he, what he could do for them. He saw people who needed to hear 
the good news of the gospel. And I want to have eyes like that. I want to see Jesus. I want to see people like Jesus saw people. I want to experience the compassion of my Lord. I believe there's a direct connection between our capacity for compassion and our effectiveness in ministry. There's a direct link here. The more compassionate that I become, the more useful I become in the Lord's service. The Christians that I know who are most compassionate are those who are most excellent in serving. And I want to be more compassionate like Jesus so that I can be more effective and productive in His kingdom. I want to see people like He saw people. I want my insides to be warmed when I see people. I want to be more compassionate. I don't think there are any shortcuts to becoming compassionate. I don't have any tips or tricks or gimmicks to share with you that will make you a more compassionate, sympathetic person overnight. The only way that I know how to do it is just keep living as a devout person of faith. Immerse yourself in the Word every day. Surround yourself with God's people. Commit yourself to gathering with the saints. Commit yourself to serving other people. To emptying yourself. And to meeting the needs of those that have them. And devote yourself to prayer. Don't forget to pray about this. Don't forget to ask God to make you a more compassionate person. In fact, on that note, would you bow with me and let's pray at this time and ask God to give us compassion. Lord, we come before you humbly asking you to increase our capacity for compassion, calm our fearful minds, clear our busy schedules, and warm our hearts for our neighbors. Help us to feel with and for them. May our compassion compel us to go into the fields that are white unto harvest, into the pastures to rescue lost sheep. Father, give us the compassion of your Son, Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen. Around five years ago, Dr. Kent Brantley contracted the Ebola virus while working in a medical clinic in Liberia in West Africa. He was flown back to the U.S. for a lengthy treatment. He nearly died. Many of you remember this story. Brantley is a brother in Christ. He was a medical missionary over there, sponsored by a congregation in Texas. He, along with the other Ebola fighters, were named Time Magazine's Person of the Year in 2014. Well, now, after a few years back in the States, Kent Brantley is planning to head back to Africa, this time to Zambia, to serve again as a medical missionary. Now, while there is currently an Ebola outbreak north of Zambia in the Congo, there is no Ebola in Zambia, for now at least. Bobby Ross Jr. of the Christian Chronicle, this newspaper that serves Churches of Christ, he interviewed Brantley and he said, so you don't worry you have compassion and not fear? And Brantley replied, it's not a matter of not fearing. It's a matter of choosing to have compassion despite fear. We as followers of Jesus are called to extreme love and not self-preservation. And I don't need to tell you 
that you don't have to go to Africa. You don't have to go to Mexico. You don't have to go to Peru or Brazil or Scotland. You don't even have to go across the state or even across town to extend compassion. Just beyond those doors, there are countless lost sheep. The fields are white unto harvest as soon as you walk out those back doors of the church today. And so my challenge to you and to myself is go and be filled with compassion just like your Lord Jesus Christ. In Psalm 103 verse 13, the psalmist says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to His children. This morning, do you need to appeal to God's compassion for you? Maybe you are grateful for this biblical message that God is compassionate towards His children. That no matter what you do, no matter how far you stray, no matter what kind of sin you get entangled in, God's compassion extends to you and He's begging you today, turn away from that, turn your heart back towards Him, repent. And He'll be there waiting as a father is with His children with open arms, ready to receive you back into His fold. Our God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, full of compassion for you. Maybe today you're a baptized believer, but your life is not lining up with, with the devotion that you read about in the Scriptures. You're not satisfied with your level of commitment to God and you want to come and appeal to God's compassion. And you want to, you want to make things right uh, and you, you want to get your life back on track. Maybe today you need to come and ask for forgiveness and for prayers from your brothers and sisters. Or maybe today you need to become His child. You need to enter into the family of God. You can do that by confessing the name of Christ, by being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will be a child of your Father in heaven who is full of compassion for all of His sons and daughters. If you need to come for any reason at this time, why don't you, while we stand and sing,